You know how I know it's wintertime? How? Um, one, the Salvation Army bell is ringing in the background of this entire episode. Do you think they'll be able to hear it? I think so. <laughs> and like, I'm not currently listening through headphones like I probably should be, but I am, I'm confident that bad boy's just going to town in the background there. Even Olivia, who has like infinite amounts of holiday spirit, mm-hmm. the day the Salvation Army started... She was furious, like inexplicably though, like meaning she, like my point being Ashley and I know what to expect. Mm -hmm. Olivia doesn't. So I was shocked at her Uh very abrasive reaction, but she very quickly was like in New York, that makes sense because you need to be able to hear the bell from far away. Uh She was like in Thomasville, you can hear that bell from all over. And I was like, oh, well I've never thought about that. Well, and also nine people are going to walk by the sidewalk (laughs) on a given weekday, like what are you really doing out there, man? And there's two of them. Two of them, yeah. Okay, that's a good use of resources. Yeah, there's two of them on the same block. That doesn't make any sense. Maybe on a Saturday. Yeah, on a Saturday, you get a ton of foot traffic. Um, but today's Tuesday. Yeah, and a cold Tuesday. Yeah. I kind of feel sorry for them. I want to talk about something that cold weather reminds me to think about. Mm-hmm. And it's how much I hate artificial heat. Does it dry out your skin? It does. It makes me feel so gross and bad. Like, the entire outside of me just wants to not be there anymore when heat is on. I hate it. I like an electric blanket. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. So would you rather not turn on the heat? Yes. But just have lots of blankets and stuff? Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Hmm. But then I got in my car this morning, and I needed, like, a little bit of heat just for a few minutes to warm up the car, right? Yes. But then my whole face just wanted to fall off. (laughs) wanted to crack into a yeah. pizza. And my whole mouth felt gross and my hands and the wheel just felt terrible. Do you think that's just because you're like an amphibian or something and you're accustomed <laughs> to like hot environment? Like probably salty air, salty humid air. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm used to just living in like a mouth. Yeah. Because that's what Florida is. Yes. Um and so when it's like when the climate is so different that it is cold and kind of dry and then suddenly there's just this warmth injected into it for no real reason it i'm not a fan me laugh i that's just so what a very specific I complaint know. and i don't <laughs> do you like fires i love fires that's not artificial to no like it, it radiates differently and right. i think it has to do with hot air blowing at you yeah where like fire is not blown at you right it radiates toward you um, same with like an electric blanket. It's it's radiation. Yeah. Not the like atomic kind. Yeah. You and Kelsey just need to fill your house with like rice pads. You know what I mean? Like you can heat those up in your microwave. Yeah. And you just put them at the foot of your bed. You can have hot water bottles. Like I those would love Charlie a hot water bottle. Cho- chocolate factory. Grandpa's. I should get one of those. Yeah. That would be a good idea. Yeah. Heat that bad boy up <laughs> with some artificial heat. No. <laughs> Welcome to episode 199 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and baby, it's cold outside. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. That honestly always makes me think of the bit from Arrested Development with Carl Weathers. It's Mm -hmm. like, there's still meat on that bone. You get yourself 
a pot with some broth, a potato, baby, you got a stew going. <laughs> and I once tweeted something like that at Carl Weathers. Did he respond? He responded and said, you know it. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. Do you... It's one of my proudest celebrity interactions. I am just now putting together, because Jordan and I watched a Rocky Marathon mm. on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I kept going, well, I kept telling Jordan, who is Carl Weathers? Like, what else? We know him from something. And Jordan was like, I don't know. Arrested Development. And now I'm real, only now that you have said that. Playing himself. Yes. Because I kept. Playing like the worst universe version of himself. (laughs) Yes. And I kept telling Jordan, it's the name I recognize even more than the face. So I feel like we should know this name. Oh my gosh. You guys see Creed 2? We have not. Okay. I haven't either, but I really want to. I haven't seen Creed. Oh, Creed's phenomenal. I heard it was phenomenal, but I insisted... Jordan had already seen all the Rocky movies. I'd only seen them in bits and pieces mm-hmm. over the years. I think they're mostly worth watching. They are. Um, Rocky 1 is really good it still. Legit good. It holds up. Creed is technically a better movie, yeah. but like you need the original to appreciate it. Yeah. And so Creed's, or Rocky's still the best, yeah. and Creed's like number two. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. It's Super Creed good. Creed 2 has gotten good reviews. Yeah, it has. I've heard it's like... Not as good as the original, but how could it be? But it's also a very good sequel. Okay. I'm interested. So that's good. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that's our review of Rocky. That, that is our review of the Rocky <laughs> franchise. Uh, <laughs> books, small business, and Sylvester Stallone's filmography. Wait. Also, can we talk about that he has written all of those? Yeah. Did he write all of them? Yeah. He wrote I know all, he wrote the first one. He wrote, he wrote the Rocky films, at least according to the Wikipedia page. And then he also wrote the Rambo films. I did not know that. I didn't either. And then I want to say, like, I feel like almost everything he's been in, he wrote. Because at first I was kind of like... That's crazy. Oh, sure. He wrote Rocky, whatever. Uh-huh. Like, I knew that from the Oscars. From pop culture, yeah. yeah. life. But uh, at least according to the Wikipedia page, it, he wrote, if not all of the franchise, most of that franchise. And then he wrote the Rambo movies. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? That's actually really it impressive. It respect him more, A weirdly. lot more. Yeah. Because he looks so weird now. Why? To get back to, like, our... Meg Ryan yes. conversation. Guys, if you're... I'm still anti-plastic surgery. Yeah. If you're going to do it because, like, it's a free country, do what you want. Yeah. At least spend the money to, like... Do it well. Do it well. Yeah. If that's possible. I saw an ad for Botox yesterday that was, like, targeted toward, like, relieving migraine headaches. Yes. Which is something I'd never heard of before. Yeah. Oh. And it was just like, Botox is great for relieving migraine headaches. And I thought... It was just for, like, getting wrinkles out of your face. Yeah, no, Jordan's um, cousins and aunt, like, they all, yeah, Botox. All right. Yeah. Okay. But the the younger girls do it for migraines, or I don't really. Sure. I don't, I don't know, because that's really not my world. I just don't, I I don't really understand or do any of that, so. No. Anyway, it's the end of the month here in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Thank goodness. It's, uh, it's chilly outside. November is a hard time in retail. You know, I always i I know in the back of my head that from Halloween on yeah. is kind of chaos. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I remember until it's happening. Mm-hmm. And it somebody I follow on Instagram finally was like, because she owns her own retail shop. I think um, her name is Natalie. She owns this shop in Arkansas, Freckled Hen Farmhouse or whatever, and. She said, we talk on the internet all the time about the importance of balance, Mm -hmm. but when you work retail, it's really more about seasons. Mm -hmm. 
because there's really it's really not possible to have a lot of balance in right. November and December. Right. Like it's just not. Like right. I feel like I look pretty tired. Sure. Like <laughs> like I get an email. I I don't know, you're just kind of running out of steam, you're doing your best. Um and the same is true of my reading life. Mm-hmm. Like you're just kind of it's, it's survival. You're just yeah. kind of doing the best you can. Mm-hmm. And that's what my reading recap looks like this month. Well, because like it or not the holiday season in retail really does start on November 1st. Yes. Um, if not October 1st. Yeah, and by the way, that doesn't mean the money's coming in. No. What it, that means uh-huh. is you've spent all the money on all the holiday product, on the books, mm-hmm. and now you just have to hope and pray that people buy what you bought yeah. so that you can make your money back. Correct. In case people didn't know how retail works. Yeah. <laughs> in case you weren't aware, it's gambling. Yeah. If you don't know how stores work, <laughs> yeah. the store has to buy something... From somewhere else, yes. and then you buy it from the store. Yes. We're the charming middleman. Yeah. The thing about the direct market <laughs> is, I get it, but so, also... <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting, too, in a world where I think this time of year is when other people are perhaps squeezing in more reading than usual because they're traveling mm-hmm. or they're cozying up by the mm-hmm. fire. It is really less true of us for sure so for example i was listening and i wanted to talk to you about it actually this really great segment on npr about like best books of 2018 hmm. and we'll I was, have one of those in a couple weeks yeah but i was scrambling because not all of the titles were familiar to me mm. so i was like writing titles down and i looked at jordan and i was like i have to read these eight books before the end of the year and he was like well good luck like <laughs> do you <laughs> and so because i thought i really need to read these because what if they make my top 10 like i need to and I'm thinking, when am I supposed to do that? Right. Um, so, yeah. And outsource some of that to the staff. Yeah. Outs- Not me, but to everybody else. <laughs> well, outsource it. Or at some point, you just have to realize, nope, did yeah. my best. Yep. Is what it is. And don't feel bad about it. That's right. You can. how do people keep up? Yeah. I think they're faking. <laughs> you think? Yeah. I think a lot of people listen to more audiobooks than I do. Yeah. They got that they got oh, that's that commute, definitely true. And I got that five minute drive. Libro FM, by the way, had a great Cyber Monday deal this yeah, week. Yeah, they did. And it was three books for fifteen dollars. Sorry we didn't give you the guys that information. Yeah, I didn't know about it until day of. <laughs> and it so is. it was just yesterday, but it was a great deal. Yeah. Thanks, Libro FM. <laughs> <laughs> Libro FM for all your audiobook needs. Um anyway, let's get into a recap of what you did manage to get to this month. The first oh. one we will start with I think is when you hadn't finished last month which yeah. is The Dreamers. The Dreamers by Karen Thompson Walker. First of all if you are listening to this and you haven't read The Age of Miracles by Karen Thompson Walker that's her first book. It's out now in paperback. Go read it first mm-hmm. because The Dreamers doesn't come out until January which at the time of this listening is not so far away believe True. it or not. Um, the Dreamers is outstanding you Chris yeah. would love this book no I'm looking forward to it um so this one is kind of I don't even want to categorize it as post-apocalyptic basically this small college town in California some of the students start falling asleep mm-hmm. and they start falling asleep for long periods of time but they're still breathing mm-hmm. they're not really even comatose like it's weird they're kind of in this in-between state mm-hmm. um, where you can almost see their eyes moving behind their head like their REM cycle is mm-hmm. happening and we find out it's contagious like so slowly lots of members of the town start to fall asleep a couple of people do die while mm-hmm. in this kind of dreamlike state um, and so the whole book is kind of spent how does this small town deal with this crisis how does the nation deal with the crisis um, and then most importantly how do these individual people and families 
and relationships suffer from this crisis. So it sounds a little bit like The Leftovers. Yeah, I think so. Um, where in that one, people just disappear. Yes. But in this one, they are still there, just asleep for yeah. a mysterious reason. Yes. And you... Like, and, and it's not about that. Right. Because I was going to say, I don't want to spoil anything, but like we never really get some solid answer. Because mm-hmm. um, that's not the point. Because that's not the point. Um, and she does a really good job. The Age of Miracles is, if I recall, I read it years ago, um, a post-apocalyptic novel, more so than this one mm-hmm. is. But I remember reading it and thinking, oh, well, if this is post-apocalyptic literature, then I can handle it. Like, mm-hmm. almost like that Station Eleven mm-hmm. where that's not what it's about. It's the set dressing. Yes. And so that's what The Age of Miracle is. The same is true of The Dreamers. I I mean, this will make my best books of 2019. Great. Like, it, is, it is so good. And as a result, the rest of my reading for the month totally suffered because I mm. couldn't get over this really great book. And that's a good problem. It's such a good problem right? to have. <laughs> and, like, I think old Annie would have been much more, would have taken much more pleasure from that problem. Like, I finished such a good book that I can't get mm-hmm. over it. Now it's a little bit like, I got to get over this book. Like, <laughs> I got to read something else. Um, but anyway, The Dreamers comes out in January. In the meantime, read the backlist title. But, oh my gosh, this is a book you're going to want to read. Mm. A- and everybody. Like, this is not just, you know, for people like you who kind of read fiction that has a little weird element. Yeah. Even people like me who don't always like that, this book is so well done. Yeah. Um, so anyway. That sounds super good. I'm really looking forward to you're that. You're going to love it. The next one is A Very Large Expanse of Sea. This was my attempt to get over the dreamers. Mm -hmm. I tend to read YA or thrillers. Mm -hmm. When you're in a little slump. Yeah, because those are quick. Um, And sure enough, I read this in one sitting. Um, Because I'm comparing it to the dreamers, you know, it wasn't maybe my favorite book. But I still think I gave it three and a half stars because for a YA novel, I really did like it. Mm. It was a little more Mm romancy than I typically do. Um, Instead of like rom-com, it was solidly rom uh but, <laughs> but here's what i liked took place literally post 9-11 like okay. kind of in the 2001 2002 range this young woman young muslim woman is in high school and i loved it because you got a glimpse at how she suffered mm. in comparison to her brother so they're in high school she's younger her brother's a little bit older but she still wears the hijab mm-hmm. her brother doesn't so he's kind of this cool... He can blend. Yes, he can blend. She cannot, and she doesn't want to. Right. There's another, um, which is what's so fascinating, there's another um, Indian American character in the book, and she kind of is frustrated with the protagonist. Mm. Like, why do you still wear hijab? Why are you doing that? But that's what this girl wants to do. Mm-hmm. And so I loved um, getting a look at the Muslim religion, the decisions that this family made, that the children made. Um, also, weirdly, I'm smiling because one of the elements of the book is that the girl and her brother love breakdancing. <laughs> and so you get this really fun insider's look at breakdancing. Like, That's so great. It made me want to Google, like, mm-hmm. and YouTube breakdancing videos. Yeah, like, I just stuff I did, was so unfamiliar with. So as I'm listening to myself talk about it, I really did like this book post dreamers. Mm -hmm. It was slightly difficult. However, if I'm not mistaken, this book was up for the national book award for YA. Okay. If, if not the national title sounded familiar to me for some reason, that's probably why. Yeah. And if not national book award, it was up for one of those. And I totally understand why the writing is great. Um, she is well known young adult author. Um, Rebecca, our old manager loved, the Shatter Me books, and mm. she's the author of those. Okay. Um, so her name is, I'm going to mess it up, Tahara 
Mari, I want to say. Something like that. Anyway, yeah. she's married to Ransom Riggs. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. This is a fun fact. Um, so a very large, expansive seat is great because it has more depth than the YA rom-coms I typically like. Uh-huh. The romantic storyline is that she kind of, she really pulls herself back and kind of hides herself, um, protects herself mm-hmm. from from love or from relationships, even just friendships. But she falls in love with this guy and the romance parts to me sometimes felt like just really strong for high school. Yeah. Um, but I think to some extent that's realistic. Yeah. Um, it's just not my personal experience. Sure. But I loved how the romance made her come out of her shell and figure out perhaps more strongly who she was and mm. why she had made some of the decisions she had made, all set against this backdrop of a post-9-11 world. Anyway, I, I really did like it. Um, a very large expanse of sea. Cool. Let's talk about the next one, which is Every Good Endeavor. This won't be for everybody. It's a Timothy Keller book um, that somebody gifted me. Actually, I don't know if she's a podcast listener, but she and her Instagram friends, Ruth Ann Moss, um, gifted me this book after visiting the bookshelf um, because it is a book all about work and mm. the purpose behind work and and cultivating culture, being part of work. And she saw the bookstore and she was like, I think you'd really like this book. So it sat on my shelf. And then the church I go to in Tallahassee offered a class. And I was like, I think this is a sign. <laughs> or at least I'll take it as a sign that maybe I can finally read this book uh-huh. that I've wanted to read but just never made the time to. So I read this book probably how it's supposed to be re- uh, read, which is more a chapter every week or uh-huh. so. Um, so I read a, a couple of chapters every few weeks. Um, I loved this book. Like I gave it five stars because growing up in an evangelical religious world – not necessarily in the church or in the home I grew up in, but in the school culture I grew uh-huh. up in, ministry jobs were lauded above all else. Yep. Um, and ministering was lauded above all else. And when you graduate college and that Christian college environment, and then your first job is a desk job, um, pretty ordinary work, mm-hmm. um, you, I struggled a little bit with purpose. And then realizing that all work, for me and my worldview, all work is holy, all work is good. Um, I love this idea that work is not a punishment. Yeah. Um, because I think if you're raised in evangelical religious, religious culture, there's this idea that um, the fall of Adam and Eve resulted in work. work. Yeah. yeah. And that's not true. Right. They were given specific work before the fall. And so anyway, I don't want to get super religious on here. But if you come from a faith-filled background... I think this book is must reading um, because it's filled with, and it's a wide range of religious voices. Timothy Keller wrote the book, but it's filled with Catholic quotes, um, quotes from other denominations, um, all about why work is so important and why the work we do, no matter what it looks like to the world, Mm -hmm. why that work is important and valuable. And for me and what I do at the bookshelf, I found it extremely Gratifying. Yeah, I was going to say, um, what's the word that I was looking for? Like, not exhortative, but that kind of thing. It definitely felt like an encouragement. Mm-hmm. And also, it felt, we've talked before about feeling seen when yeah. we read something. Um, there are parts of the book. I have found myself sometimes getting lost in the bookshelf, um, meaning the bookshelf and Annie kind of overshadow and merge yeah. one another. And that results in a lot of pressure. Yeah. And if you're if you're like me and you um, tend to put a lot of pressure on yourself, tend to work toward achievement. And so there's a lot in that book about um, 
what achievement should really look like, what the end goal of work should really be. Um, and it really has kind of made me take a second glance at, yeah, the pressure and the goals I set for the bookshop mm-hmm. and, and what that means is the pressure and the goals I put on myself. Right. Um, and how that then has a trickle-down effect to my employees. So even if my employees are people of faith, the pressures I put on them, you know, affect them. So right. my worldview winds up affecting them. And so anyway, it as a boss, as somebody who has often struggled with purpose and intent and 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 high achievement, I thought this book was really valuable. It's one I underlined. I will pick it up over and over again as a mm-hmm. resource. I can't really recommend it enough if you are of a religious worldview, especially. A Christian religious worldview particularly. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. I think you could certainly get something out of it if you're coming at it from a different religion. Um, but certainly it is written, I mean, if you're familiar with Timothy Keller, it yeah. is written from a Christian perspective. For sure. So let's uh, completely shift gears <laughs> here and talk about the next book on your list, My Sister, the Serial Killer. I feel like this, these two books back to back showcase my reading life yeah. in general. In a very specific Venn diagram. Yes. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I just feel like anybody could look at these two books and this pretty much sums up mm-hmm. Annie as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I'm religious. But also... Really into serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> and really into, I would like to say, <laughs> well-written diverse fiction. Yeah. I'm not even going to attempt, um, because I don't want to do it poorly. I should have told you about it in advance. You would have done it well. I don't want to attempt this author's name. Mm. This is her debut work. She's a Nigerian author. Um, I cannot believe this is a debut work. Wow. It is phenomenal. It's going to make my top 10 books of the year. It has definitely got that campy vibe. You can tell from the title, mm-hmm. uh, my sister, the serial killer. Um, but it's also just so well done. It's smart. It's smartly funny, but it also makes you think. So the premise is simple. It's in the title. Uh, this young woman, um, in Nigeria, her, you, the book opens where her sister has called her and they have to dispose of a body Oof. and we find out it's body number three. Um, of course it is. And so the we get everything kind of from the protagonist's perspective as she is watching her sister kill these men, at first under the guise of her own protection. Mm-hmm. But then the sister starts to suspect, maybe not so not much. Not so much. Uh, and I just think this is such a smart novel. It's also incredibly, um, I don't want to say timely, because I don't think that's the right word, but like, I love that it is of a time. So it's written in modern day. So you get kind of this social media aspect too, like how the sister is mourning on social media the loss of her boyfriend, who we know she has murdered. Mm-hmm. Like, so I like some books don't handle I think our world well. Like right. they don't know how to deal yeah. with yeah, yeah, yeah. social media. They don't know how to incorporate. Really did ruin how fiction yes, works. <laughs> yes. And so this was a refreshing look at mm. a way fiction can still work. With technology yeah. as as uh, as um, I don't know high high advanced as it is yeah, yeah whatever the word is anyway I adored this book you know what else I really liked I appreciate a good tome like mm. I understand the value in like some lengthy literature mm-hmm. but this year especially I have really enjoyed and really the past couple of years I have really enjoyed and appreciated authors who can pack a gut punch in a few pages. Mm. This is definitely a novel. Um, it's not a novella, mm-hmm. but it is short. It reminds me of Waiting for Eden a little gotcha. bit. Um, it is brief. 
in the best possible way. Like you still are left reeling at the turn of the last page. You're kind of like, oh, what? Like I can't believe, (laughs) like there's just all these characters who you kind of want to follow and yet she pairs it down so well. That's why I can't believe it's a debut. Sometimes I feel like debuts can be wandering and meandering. This is not, oh my gosh, this is so well executed, pun intended. I can't believe it. My sister, the serial killer. It's so good. (laughs) That sounds great. And wildly shifting gears yet again, um, from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. I, this is a kid's chapter book. Yes, it is. I adored this book as a child. Um, I realize it's older than I thought. It came out in the 60s. Oh, okay. Um, I read it as a kid. Jordan had never read it. So we decided um, in the fall, in November in particular, we tried to have fewer screens. We don't always abide by that, but um, we try to watch a little bit less TV. And so in the evenings before bed, we would read this book together. And so Jordan is an auditory learner. I'm a visual learner. Mm. So I wound up reading the whole thing out loud, but it holds up so beautifully. I cannot believe it. Jordan had never read it. He gave me the best possible reaction. We finished it last night, actually. And we finished and he goes, wait, but there's a sequel, right? And I was like, no. Like, this is a standalone. Like, E.L. Konigsberg wrote other Newbery Award-winning books, but this is a standalone. Hmm. And he was devastated. Like, there's just, not more to the story? Just like a kid would be. <laughs> like, just like a 12-year-old kid would be. Like, his reaction was perfect and made me think, I cannot believe this book still has this power. Like, this story about these two kids, if you're not familiar. I'm have you not, read it? No. Chris. You would love this. So these two kids, um, and it's funny, I read this book as a kid. I'm reading it out loud to Jordan. There is a young girl named Claudia who's about 11, 12, and then her little brother Jamie who is, I'm going to say, 8, 9, maybe 7 or 8. And so Claudia and Jamie decide to run away from home, and Claudia is kind of the mastermind behind the whole thing. But I'm reading this out loud, and Jordan's like, oh, my gosh, you are like Claudia. Like, you forget <laughs> how much the books you read as a kid make an really, impact yeah, on you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so as I was reading, I was like, Claudia was such a kindred spirit, and I didn't remember that. Right. Like, she's not a protagonist I name. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not like Anne Shirley, Joe March. Right. I love that book, but I didn't really know that Claudia made an impact on me, but I guess she did. Um, anyway, these two kids decided to run away from home. Um, they're, they live in Connecticut. They take the train to New York City, and they live for a week in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. That sounds so fun. It is so fun. <laughs> it is so fun. And I read, because of course after I finished, I was like, I got to read about this book um, and find out, is she still alive? She's not. Uh, mm. But anyway, the book apparently was made into a movie. Two. One that came out in like, I want to say the 2000s, okay. which I totally was not familiar with at all. And then one by the same title as the book that came out, I want to say in the 70s. So I'm on a mission to try yeah, to find them. track these down. Yeah, because... I'm afraid they won't hold quite the magic. Probably not. But visually, it's such a great... It's a no-brainer to yeah, turn this book into a definitely. movie. And they did Night at the Museum, exactly. right? Exactly. And so, similar. Similar, except just so smart. Like, there's this whole kind of art mystery mm-hmm. uh, revolving around Michelangelo. Um, Who's the Da Vinci Code before the Da Vinci yeah, Code. Yeah, it's so... Guys, it is so good. And I will tell you, what a great book to read right now. Just because, again, going back to that thin you know, fewer pages. Like my brain can only hold so much right now. Yeah. And I feel like, yes, I was in a reading rut because the dreamers was so fantastic, but also my life is a little bit of a chaotic mess right now. Yeah. And so I like being able to rely on children's chapter books to kind of 
remind me why I love yeah. reading. Little little buoys. Yeah, and and remind me why I do this thing. Um, and so anyway, if you have not read from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frank Weiler, you need to shout out to I think her name I think it was Courtney who told me she reread it and I think I messaged her on Instagram. I was like, did it hold up? And she said yes. And that was what kind of made me think this will be our book. Because we did um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory last mm. year this time, um, and we never finished it because real life happens. Yeah. Um, life isn't as romantic as you think it is. But we did finish from the mix-up files of Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler, and I'm so proud. It does hold up for a reread or to read it for the first time. It's fantastic. Awesome. I think that does it for our reading recap. Done. Done. is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books you've heard about on today's episode, you can do that at www.bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also check out our website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week at my parents' house, a funny thing happened. Um, I read your horrifying bathroom story. <laughs> On Instagram, Which I was gonna save to tell you on this, yeah. but I couldn't. I had yeah. to. I had to get it out of my brain. It was so bad. So bad. Um. So, a charming version of that. Okay. Um. My cousin has a two and a half year old son okay. who was at Thanksgiving, um. And my cousin then told the story of how you know, Zane was like in the backyard or something, and his dad was like, "Watch out! Uh, there's dog poop over there. Like, don't step in it." And Zane turned looked at him and said, I'll eat poop. And then stuck his finger in dog poop and ate it. And ate it. Oh my gosh. Awful. But I just love the toddler defiance of, I'll eat poop. Not only will I not step in this, I'm going to eat it. Do you one more? I'll eat this in your face. (laughs) It's just the funniest thing I've ever heard. Only kid logic. Only kid logic. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.